And welcome on in to the latest edition of the Blue Horseshoe Podcast. He is George Bremer. I am Ryan Hickey. Playoff week, George, is inching closer and closer to Saturday. We are now recording this on Thursday morning, almost there to the biggest playoff game or the biggest home game, at least, for the Colts since 2014. John McClain will make history right here on the Blue Horseshoe Pod, being the latest guest to go behind enemy lines as last year. Rightfully so, we waved the white flag on that after the Colts just totally went in the toilet. So here we are, making history on the pod. John, also at this point, George, friend of the pod with how many times he's been on now. will give us a tremendous perspective on the Texans going into this game. We'll give you our regular season finale pick for this game as well. So a loaded pod. But before we get to everything related to the game on Saturday, George, Wednesday night we did have the Pro Bowl rosters released. And I think the Colts got fleeced, to be honest. They had one pro bowler, Quentin Nelson, four alternate pro bowlers, and DeForest Buckner, Zaire Franklin, Ryan Kelly, and Michael Pittman Jr. But George, how the leading tackler in the NFL, and Zaire, did not make the pro bowl roster. I, I, I don't get it. I, I am truly mind blown. And the, the disrespect, the national disrespect to the Colts, George, continues again. Yeah, I mean, first of all, hats off to Quentin Nelson. Six straight Pro Bowls. I think he's just the fourth offensive lineman in history to start his career with six straight Pro Bowls. Uh, and in 15th uh, since the NFL merger player at any position. So uh, just more affirmation that, that Quentin Nelson is a very special, special player uh, that the Colts got there with the number six overall pick in, in 2018. Um, but yeah, I mean, the Pro Bowl, I try to get fired up about it, but it's popularity contest uh i think you see stuff like this every year as a result you know the teams uh was it 2021 the colts had seven pro bowlers and you know that didn't help them get to the playoffs so maybe this time around with just one they'll get angry i do think all four alternates are are worthy um you know being in a big game and honestly the way things tend to go probably the majority of them will end up going uh and being a part of that game uh, because you just see, I mean, the Super Bowl guys are out obviously right away, uh, which means Zaire's in good position, right? Because the Ravens, two inside linebackers, they may be looking for two linebackers in that group. Uh, but, you know, should do I want to see Michael Pittman Jr. in a flag football game? That could be interesting. I mean, you talk about how competitive he is. You know, there there could be some DBs getting lit up if, if Pitt's out there <laughs> playing without pads. Um, but yeah, you know, it, it's, I just, I think overall it's such, I, I look more at the all pro, uh, because I, I just feel like the, the pro bowl has just become almost a cartoon the way that, that year in and year out, uh, you sort of players just sort of vote for who they know, who's on their team, who's in their division, uh, fans of course just vote for who they see on TV. You can't really blame them for that. And the Colts haven't been on, so you're not going to get, you know, nearly as much interest in them. It's, you know, it's one of those things where do all four of those guys deserve to be pro bowlers? Absolutely. You know, DeForest Buckner, the fact that he's only a two-time pro bowler right there, I think tells you everything you need to know about the legitimacy of those rosters. Um, but you know, at the end of the day, I think all of them would rather be in the playoffs next week than, than in the pro bowl anyway. Or in the Super Bowl and have to mm -hmm. opt out of the pro bowl and say, sorry, I can't go to, I think it's Camping World Stadium this year in Orlando. Sorry, I can't yeah. go. I'll be in Vegas. 
I'm sure Nelson gonna have yeah. to, to step aside. Well, yeah, if you ask Q, where would you rather be that week in Florida or Vegas? I think he knows the answer. That is for sure. <laughs> I mean, I'm not gonna watch it. Are you gonna watch the game? No. Okay. All right. No. But I'm sure at some point there'll be a viral highlight of Pittman just absolutely like trucking a poor defensive back with no pads on. He may end the flag football like game itself. <laughs> it may just be a skills competition next year. I think you're right about that. He's going to take no prisoners. So nice. maybe that's why he's an alternate. All right, we can't put this guy in. Someone's going <laughs> to someone's going to get hurt. A brawl is going to start because he's playing tackle while everyone else is playing flag football. But you're. Yes, all pro is is important, and obviously, if you know if any of those guys can get all pro, that's a huge and way more impressive accomplishment than just the Pro Bowl. But yes, so I maybe you know what this I'm definitely a sucker though for these voting processes for these results, and it's just like you look at Zaire. Just I mean, again, he I don't think he gets anywhere near the national recognition he should get in general. Mm-hmm. Partly because of his, uh, because of his name, partly because on the Colts, and it's just like that should like. That should not be the way it is. But with that said, how you get more national games, how you get more national notoriety, George, is playing well in those big moments. And this is going to be a game on Saturday night. Everyone's going to be watching. And so this could be, I mean, look, he's, you have enough motivation. I'm not, so I'm not going to sit here and try to tell you that he's going to be upset and motivated by the Pro Bowl snub. But with that said, again, you want to get the respect you deserve. And that comes to being a household name. How you be a household name, George, is by racking up 12 tackles against C.J. Stroud, maybe taking them down once, and just being a total menace for that Houston offense on Saturday night. That'll get Zaire Franklin's name in a lot more people's heads than anything so far this season. Huge, I mean, obviously, huge opportunity, but this is a huge stage for the Colts, not just this year, but even now going next year, setting the stage of getting this team in people's minds of, oh, they're a playoff team, they're a good team, and they got their quarterback coming back next year. This could be a, a this is a huge game, George, obviously to make the playoffs, but also to start becoming a household name again, like they were when Luck was quarterback in this team and when Peyton was quarterback in this team. Yeah, I mean, you got to get in the playoffs and, and not just once, right? You got to be in there year in and year out. That's how. Everybody starts to know who's on your roster and everybody starts to take note of your team. Um, this game's huge, too, because it's the only primetime game this year for the Colts, obviously. It's the third standalone game. The other one of them was at 930 in the morning. Uh, and the other one was, what, a four o'clock game with the Panthers? 430. So, well, 430 the Steelers and four o'clock. The Saturday, yeah. The, yeah. the, the, the Saturday for. Uh, so they've only played, what, twice later than one o'clock? Um, before this, this will be just the third time that they've played later than one o'clock. They played three standalone games. Um, you know, those are there'd be a lot of eyes on there, and I think this is one of those times too where most of those eyes probably, uh, if we're being honest, are, are there to see CJ Shroud. And so the Colts can really surprise a lot of people as they have all year long. Come out, play well, and and have some people walk right away saying, "Hey, you know what? I think about Indianapolis a little differently than I did before this game aired on Saturday night." And ironically, too, we just talked about, you know, being relevant for the first time since Luck and Peyton were quarterbacking them, obviously, respectively. Ironically, if people come away from this game impressed with the Colts and the Colts went on Saturday and let's say put up a good performance, hell, maybe even win a playoff game next year. And now people are starting to respect them going into 2024. Ironically, when we talked about people knowing them as a household name with Peyton, it was because of Peyton. With Luck, it started with Luck. Ironically, this year's team would be everyone but the quarterback leaving you impressed and having 
um, their play be the reason why you remember them. It's it's funny that it just how different this could be because it's everyone else except the QB where obviously the last two times people knew the Colts nationally, knew them well nationally. It would started primarily with their quarterback. And I think that's why Shane Sy can get so much credit, you know, because uh, those are the two people who are, are going to be the most prominent in, in any franchise, the head coach and the quarterback. Uh, and when the quarterback's not getting those kind of national plaudits and, and the team's winning, you know, look, look at the coach of the year standings. You know, all of them are dealing with a quarter. Dan Campbell's probably the only guy who's in the conversation who's got his starting quarterback and had him all year. Everybody else is dealing with the rotating cast there. But I will say this: somebody made this is total tangent. Somebody made an argument the other day that John Harbaugh should be the coach of the year, and it's hard. I mean, you, you see a case there. I still think if I had a vote, it'd be Stefanski, just because the Browns are going to start their fifth quarterback on Sunday. Um, and, and they're obviously going to the playoffs and really, if not for the Ravens would have been hosting a game. I think they have the second best record in the AFC. It's just team with the best record in the AFC is, is in their own division. So, uh, or a tie with Miami for the second best record in the AFC. Um, that's just, that's a remarkable job, but you know, when, who thought Baltimore's going to be the number one seed back in August, you know, when, when you're in training camp, I do you think there's a case for John Harbaugh. I do think sometimes we overlook, you know, oh, the, the best team can't be the one with coach of the year. But, you know, I think you, you could make that case for him. Uh, from a Colts standpoint, though, for Saturday, which is what matters here, this, this huge game against Houston, you talk about those alternate pro bowlers. Ryan Kelly is the one guy probably in that group that, that you wonder a little bit about right now. Hasn't practiced, foots in a left boot. I do think he'll play. It's week 18, and I think anybody who can play will play. Uh, but you you do wonder, is it something that could flare up during the game or is it, you know, bad enough? Because we say that all the time, like anyone who can get out there will not look, Julian Blackman can't get out there. You know, his injury is too bad. It's possible that Ryan Kelly will be in that boat. We'll see, you know, how that all shakes out. I think it's going to be similar to, to Kenny Moore last week where it'll probably be a game time decision. And two, depending on how he's moving and how he can play, like he can be out there. But if he's extremely limited, you don't want him out there. You know, we've seen plenty of players gut it out, but actually then hurt the team because physically they just can't do what they normally can and are, again, more of a dead weight, if you will, than a, than a positive for this team. So because this game is Saturday, right, everything has moved up a day. So even though we're recording this on Thursday in Colts world, it's really Friday. So later today, George, is the last day of practice. Let me ask you this from this perspective, because some players we saw with T.Y. Hilton before, we've seen with others. Does Ryan Kelly have to practice today in order to play on Saturday? He's not practiced so far Wednesday, Thursday, or Tuesday, Wednesday. I screwed the days up technically. Does he have to practice on Thursday in order to play on Saturday? No, especially not this week. Uh, I think the veteran guys, you, you don't worry about that as much with them. Um, they've been there, and obviously Ryan Kelly knows the the system, and obviously he's been in the meetings, and he, he'll he know the calls and things that he has to do uh, if he has to get out there. Um, I think, again, it, it probably comes down to, you know, what are you weighing that, that risk-reward, sort of along the lines of what you're just talking about. You know, the, is it more important to get him out there and get a look at him physically so that you have a better feel of, of how he can move? Or is it more important to get him another day's rest? And and really only the coaches and the doctors, you know, have a, have a good feel on that right now. So 
Uh, it'll be interesting to see. I think the the upside for all of this is that Wesley French has played well when he's been called upon. Uh, I think that's going to factor into this as well, that if they do have to go that direction, the Colts will have some faith and some confidence that, that Wesley French can get the job done as well. It's good that right now we're talking about in week 18 at least one significant injury that is questionable. Like you look at the Texans right now, injury report, and we'll get an update from John here in a second uh, when he joins us. But they have some big-time names and big-time contributors right now that could not play um, on Saturday and be key um, key outs for the Texans team. So it's nice that at least in terms of the quantity for the Colts, it's only one um, guy we're talking about right now. But like you said, this is – I mean, you look at this matchup, George, this does feel like one of the biggest keys is going to come down to both teams' offensive lines and who can protect well because both defensive lines have been improving, have been playing better. And we obviously know the Texans, I mean, they are, their lines are banged up. I mean, hell, George, week two. I mean, CJ Stroud was just a, a sitting duck back there as the Colts teed off for six sacks on him. It was, you get a sack. It was like Oprah giving away things uh, during holiday time with the way defensive linemen were getting sacks uh, down in H-Town back in week two. So it's good for the Colts, at least that it's really only one guy in Kelly, but it's still a super important injury here because like you said, I think this game, we could talk about quarterback play. We could talk about secondary play. This game to me, George, I would say if it comes down to one position, it's going to be offensive line. There's a really good chance of that. You're going to have to keep your quarterback upright and you're going to have to protect the football. I mean, we said it every week, but this feels like a game, not to spoil picks, you know, coming up much later here. Uh, this feels like the kind of game where turnover could could be the entire difference. You know, one one score that that comes off a short field um, could be what what sends one of these teams to the playoffs and, and the other one home for the season. You're right. You're right. And and also too, we see in the playoffs these small areas get magnified. Clock mm-hmm. management, turnovers, third and short conversions, like a lot of small details. Like you just said are now magnified. I mean, we saw it last Saturday. Whether you report to the referee or not gets blown up now um, in these standalone, but also in these important stretch time games here where there's so much on the line with each win or loss. You're right, and that's when the Texans have been very good in this area too, but that's one thing where you feel good going to this game from the Colts' perspective is they have nailed, George, a lot of these small details, and for the most part when they're losing, they're not losing because of, for the most part, Mental mistakes, stupidity, and like their own doing, they're just getting outplayed. But like you said, a lot of those, really, it's a lot of the the areas mentally. And that, I think you could put turnovers in that category as well in terms of mental errors. Like that's where the Colts this year have been really good and done a total 180 last year to this year in terms of not beating themselves with stupid errors and small lack of attention to detail, we'll say. Yep, it's going to come down to, like you said, those little tiny details. Um, hopefully it doesn't come down to a referee's decision uh, either way, because I don't think anyone wants to see that. Uh, you know, there's been enough controversy around the league. You don't want to see a playoff spot determined by that for either team. Um, but I do think it's going to be right down the wire, you know, and that's how it should be. The playoffs begin Saturday night in Indianapolis. I don't know if there's any question about that. Uh, everything about this game screams playoff game. Winner advances, loser goes home. Two, if you're Gus Bradley, really fast, you're speaking of referees. Bill Vinovich and his crew is going to be officiating the game on Saturday night. They are of the infamous fame or infamy, uh, infamy I guess is, is probably the better way to say it, 
of the 2018 game playoff game between the Saints and Rams with the uh, infamous no pass interference call as the Saints receiver was basically leveled into the stands before the pass was there and no flag was thrown. If you're Gus Bradley, I think you're telling Juju, you're telling Jalen Jones, tackle the receivers. They're not throwing the flag. That should be the game plan. See Nico Collins as soon as the ball is snapped, tackle him. And this is a this is a referee crew who <laughs> swallows the whistle. <laughs> Get away with what you can, right? It's good defense if there's no flag uh, that's thrown. Uh, it's going to be a physical game, too. I think that's something that you can expect. Uh, both these defenses have shown that throughout the year. It's going to be a physical game. Um, Colts are going to have to tackle better than they have the last couple of weeks. Uh, and I think it's going to be a really, really interesting matchup. But you know what? Uh, the, we got somebody coming on who knows the Texans better than maybe anybody in the world can help us kind of understand what's going to happen on Saturday night. You're right about that. Let's not keep them waiting any longer. Friend of the pod, football historian in general, but Texans um, know-it-all reporter, d- does it all, does it all, first of all, knows it all as well. John McClain, Sports Radio 610 senior columnist, will hop on the Blue Horseshoe pod to go behind enemy lines next. And we'll come back in to the Blue Horseshoe podcast. As always, Ryan Hickey and George Bremer here with you Time to go behind enemy lines, and we can now call him friend of the pod. John McClain does come back on, senior columnist for SportsRadio610.com. That is, of course, the Houston Texans flagship. John, welcome back. Thank you very much, guys. I appreciate it. I hope everybody has a happy new year and is that happy holiday. Mason Coltsland, absolutely a happy new year so far after a big Raiders win. And congratulations to you, John, making history this is the latest we've ever had in the long and storied history of the Blue Horseshoe Pod. Latest we've ever had someone come on and go behind Emmy Line. So congratulations to you. Well, I'm I'm honored. It's amazing <laughs> to me how far these two teams have come since the game last year in which Davis Mills threw the winning touchdown pass and two-point conversion to Jordan Aikens, and everybody in Houston was infuriated that they beat the Colts because it cost him the number one pick in Bryce Young, and he had to settle for C.J. Stroud. I will never forget, John, celebrating on my couch with that, because that meant that there was a chance, at the time at least, that the Colts could trade up to the number one overall pick now that the Bears had it. So I was, at least in Colts land, fired up. I know, like you said, a lot of people down in Houston were very upset with that Hail Mary and then subsequent two-point conversion to win that game. But like you said, we had... Davis Mills, Sam Ellinger, this time last year. Now we go into week 18, a playoff game. Joe Buck, Troy Aikman on the call between, even if we go back just to week two, John, week two when these teams met for the first time in 2023 to now, what is the biggest difference in the Texans from that early season game to where they are at this point in the season? That game after they opened the season with a loss at Baltimore and then they lose to the Colts, I thought, well, they're, they're going to be terrible again. I picked them to go 6-11. and 11. And, of course, they won three games last year. And in that second game, the Colts pounded them. Richardson ran for two touchdowns before he got hurt again. And, and Minshew came off the bench. And Stroud threw 384 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions. And that's the first time we saw, going back to the preseason, any anything that resembled a quarterback who'd been taken second overall. And then, of course, he took off from there. Next week, they won by 20 at Jacksonville. Then they beat Pittsburgh by 24 here. And uh, since since those first two games, they've been 9-5. And, and, and they missed Stroud for two games 
and went one and one. You know, the big difference here to me is Jonathan Taylor is five and zero against the Texans, and he has averaged 124 yards in his last three appearances. He's averaged 146. But the Texans' run defense was was historically bad the last time he played against them. Now has gone from giving up 170 yards a game rushing to 88. And since those first two games, they're giving up 80. And they've been able to contain every running back, haven't given up a 100-yard rusher, a 90-yard rusher, but old JT has killed him when he's played. On the other hand, Gardner Minshew's 0-3 as a starter against the Texans, but he they wouldn't have won that first game if it wasn't for him. So there's a lot of different starters on this team, specifically in the offensive line. Mm-hmm. Now, here's what Chris Trousers had to deal with. The line he went to camp with early in training camp of their five starters, they have ended up, because of injuries, using three left tackles, four left guards, four centers, one right guard, and four right tackles. And uh, it's been amazing. They've had to take guys off the street, and they've started, and he's done a really good job coaching in this system for the first time. He's never coached in that zone running scheme. And uh, so uh, the offensive coordinator, Bobby Sloan, talked uh, Thursday about what a great job Strasser's done considering all the changes he's had to deal with. Now we don't know if they'll have their left tackle, Laramie Tunsil. He's been playing with a bad knee after not practicing but he had a growing pull, and you guys know how those injuries are. But for the Colts and the Texans, it's all hands on deck. Can't be looking ahead to the playoffs. If a guy can walk, he's got to be able to play because of the magnitude of this game. Hey, you mentioned the offensive line. And on that first meeting, there were six sacks. Uh, you know, obviously huge numbers that, that Stroud put up, but he seemed like he was under fire all day. Uh, has the protection – improved with this carousel of people that does it feel like the line is gelling together a little bit that's still the most sacks they've given up and they've they've they go through stretches depending on who's in the line and like sunday they played the titans they won 26 to 3 one sack was allowed and it was stroud's fault he ran around he ran around he should have gotten rid of the ball instead he got sacked for a 12 yard loss so he's contributed to some sacks it was the same way with Deshaun Watson. If you guys remember, Watson used to like to hold the ball a lot to throw it down the field, and he gets sacked. And same thing with with Stroud. The Texans are second in the NFL in explosive plays to the 49ers, which is amazing to me considering they lost their most explosive receiver, rookie Tank Dale, weeks ago. Nico Collins is, is their best receiver, their leading receiver. But they got other guys like Robert Woods, Noah Brown, those guys came off the scrap heap. Dalton Schultz has done a good job at tight end. Not great, but Stroud likes to throw the ball. They lost at Carolina on the field goal with no time left, and they were awful. And Stroud said after the game, man, I'd like to I'd like to have some explosive plays. So first-year coordinator Bobby Slowick, who came with Ryans from San Francisco, he's calling plays for the first time. We think those first-time play callers should be invincible. They make mistakes. They need to grow on the job as well. So ever since that point, they've had a lot of plays down the field. Now, the Titans came up playing a two-deep zone, and Slowick didn't have Stroud throwing down the middle into coverage. He threw a lot of sideline routes. And I saw that stat that the Colts play zone 69% of the time, and Stroud's rating is 147. 
against zone coverage. So the way you get teams out of zones, of course, is to run the ball. And uh, Texans have been very, very iffy running the ball. Uh, they're like 22nd rushing, but they still don't even average 100 yards a game. If they get 100, it's a big deal here. They're ready to pop the champagne forks because the pass protection has been much more consistent than the run blocking, no matter who's in the line. The run game's interesting, John, because you're, you're right. Overall, it's not been a, a very good rushing attack. But at least from my perspective, you tell me if I'm wrong. It feels like the running game has gotten better maybe the last month, last six weeks, a little bit more consistent. You look at the numbers when they run for 100 yards as a team. The Texans this year are 6-1. and one. Obviously, we know C.J. Stroud is tremendous this season. Already has got Rookie of the Year sewed up. In this game, going into Week 18 here, how much do you think the Texans will try to establish run and get some sort of balance in this game? Or is it one of those games where, hey, C.J. Stroud is great, the receivers are great, you know what? If we can't run the ball early, screw it. We're just going to ditch it and become a more one-dimensional offense. Now, they wouldn't do that unless they fell behind early and had to throw. They'll still try to run even when they can't do it. One of the things that they do do under Bobby Sloak, they run some reverses, end rounds, fake ends rounds, anything they can do to try to keep the defense off balance and give them just a few yards rushing. Damian Pierce, who was on a pace for 1,200 yards as a rookie last year before he missed the last four with an ankle injury. He has not fit into this zone scheme. He is a straight-ahead runner. He's not a guy that gets the ball, takes a step, cuts, and then finds the hole. Devin Singletary, who came from Buffalo, where he'd been the Bills' leading rusher for the last three years, he's adapted much better. He's had three 100-yard games, and and uh, but um, – they even if it's contained, which most teams do contain them, they'll still do it. They still need to play action because Stroud wants to throw the ball down the field. And uh, I'm I'm uh, pretty sure the Colts will go all out trying to stop the run. I believe both these running games will be shut down, and I think that uh, it'll come down to Stroud and Minshew. Everybody talks about uh, C.J. Stroud with great reason because he is, like like Ryan just said, the, the offense rookie of the year. Uh, what about Will Anderson on the other side? It seems like you may have the offensive and defensive rookies of the year this year. I'm doing a column on that today for SportsRadio610.com where all my stuff goes free, 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 no paywall, which I hated at the Houston Chronicle people complaining to me about the paywall. So I retired from the Chronicle so I could do commercials at my station, newspapers don't let you do commercials. And uh, so I don't, everything is free. And I'm working on a column about what a big game this is for players on both teams. I'm not sure about the Colts, but the Texans haven't even played a late game. They've all been at noon here. So this is a chance for them to showcase a lot of their players. Everybody will talk about Stroud. Will Anderson Jr. set a team record. Last week, he played 12 snaps because of an ankle injury. He had two sacks and six pressures, and he's number two to Jalen Carter in the defensive rookie of the year odds in Vegas. And so uh, the column is about, you know, I think the winner, the winning coach will finish second and coach of the year to Kevin Stefanski because of all the publicity the Browns have gotten with Flacco and four starting quarterbacks, and it'll be well-deserved. But the Browns have not come as far as the Colts and the Texans have but it's just a bad year to be going up against Joe Flacco 
And so I think Stefanski will win that. Uh, Nick Casario, their general manager, has done an incredible job hiring Ryans in the draft, in free agency. And then during the season, they've made a lot of good moves because of injuries. But Anderson, uh, he is flies off the edge, and he's great against the run. I've got a bunch of stats from Pro Football Focus about him and Jalen Carter, and he plays the run better than Carter. And he has seven sacks. That breaks the team record. He missed uh, two games, I think. And uh, But the Colts, I'll guarantee you, spent a lot of time on him. Their leading pass rusher, Jonathan Gennard, with 12 and a half, missed the last game. I'll be stunned if he plays in this game. He's in a contract year, too. And he's been hurt every year. So he wants the big bucks. And uh, being injured might hurt him. But uh, they've got a guy, Derek Barnett, who was signed a month ago off the street, former number one pick of the Eagles. And he has been tremendous playing for a new deal. And so they'll have Barnett playing opposite Will Anderson Jr. Injuries are a big one here for the Texans, John, going to this game. Like you just mentioned, Jonathan Grenard did not play. Will Anderson Jr. played 12 snaps uh, in the last game. Noah Brown, Robert Woods, Sheldon Rankings, all so far in the first two days of practice for Houston, did not practice. You mentioned Larry Tunsil as well with a groin. What is the injury status right now going to Saturday? I know it's still early recording this on Thursday morning, but do you expect any of those guys? I know you just said Jonathan Grenard, you don't expect to play. I guess maybe the better question is who do you expect to play on Saturday with all these big-time performers right now not practicing this week? I think Will Anderson Jr. will play on a limited snap count again. And uh, Sheldon Rankins, who's been a, a, a huge surprise to me. Jets let him go, Texans signed him because D'Amico Ryan's he told Nick Casario he fits perfectly into what I want to do and has been a good fit. Where the Texans will be vulnerable, they lost Jimmy Ward, their their team leader, captain, safety, two weeks ago for the season with a hamstring injury. And Jalen Petrie, who was their best rookie last year, he's not played well. So Flacco came out, went deep on the first play. Titans came out, went deep on the first series, and the guy should have caught it. So I'm guessing that Gardner Minshew at some point early is going to test them deep because the safeties have had problems in coverage. And one of the guys to watch, and, and this was a huge deal here, Derek Stingley Jr. missed the last nine games of his rookie year with a hamstring injury, missed eight games this year with a hamstring injury. But since he's been back, he has been outstanding. I mean, we see him closing on the ball, making fantastic knockaways or interceptions, and he has been everything they hoped they'd be when they drafted him third overall, one spot ahead of Sauce Gardner. But uh, I'm not sure. He stays on the same side. He doesn't roam with the best receiver yet. I think that may be more than next year. But the key for the Texans, their defensive front seven has been great against the run. And it doesn't matter who they've played. Derrick Henry had, had averaged 207 yards. I'm sorry, 203 yards and 7.1 a carry in his previous five games against the Texans. Now, John Taylor's pales in comparison to that. And he had nine yards three weeks, two weeks ago. And then he had 42 on Sunday because their run defense with a lot of the same players, just different coaches, different mindset has been tremendous and watching Taylor and Moss and you know they'll they'll run them like crazy watching them against this run defense even without 
uh, uh, Jonathan Bernard, I forgot Malik Collins, their left tackle, who's their best tackle. He missed the last game. Have no clue if he's playing, but it hasn't seemed to matter who they've played in their defensive line. The depth has stepped up with the starters. Last one for me. I know when we talked to you at the beginning of the year, a lot of excitement down there for D'Amico Ryans. I can only imagine, is he the mayor of Houston now? I mean, how (laughs) how much excitement is there uh, after the season he's put together? What was interesting is they fired David Cully and Lovey Smith. They were both one and duns. And around the country, people are like, what a terrible organization. You know, they, they, why would anybody want to coach there? Well, those people never watched Texas play. And they were terrible, especially on offense last year. And so D'Amico wanted to come here. He wanted to come back where he was drafted, played six years, wives from here, got married here, kids born here, uh, were building their dream home here, started a home for wayward boys during the pandemic here. So he said it was his dream job. He, every team that had an opening was interested. He he didn't have time to interview with the Colts and the Panthers and the Cardinals. He did interview with the Broncos, but he told people, this is my dream job. I want to come home to Houston. And and that was that got people fired up. But when the season started, people were like, okay, it's great that D'Amico's here, win five or six games this year, then maybe compete for a wild card berth in 2024. But uh, the, the timetable has been increased for both of these teams. The Texans loved Shane Steichen when they interviewed him. They were very impressed. So the Colts got a really good coach as well. And with these quarterbacks in the division and the coaches in the division, it's going to be competitive for quite a while. You're right about that. The AFC South is going to be no one's doormat any anymore. That is for sure, John. Mm-hmm. On that note about D'Amico Ryans, who do you think has the coaching advantage in this game? Is it D'Amico or is it Shane? Oh, boy. If it was here, I'd say D'Amico. If, since it's up there, I'm going to say Steichen. And uh, I'm not sure what the Colts injury situation is. But one of the things the Texans have done is uh, nine of their last 11 games have been decided by seven or fewer points. Eight of them decided by five or fewer points. They're six and three in those nine games. And 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 what's amazing is nine of 11 have been decided in the last 30 seconds, four with no time left, one with four seconds left, one with two seconds left. So as D'Amico will say, we're battle-tested. And one of the things I like, he's never even brought up injury. And we bring it up in the media, and he won't talk about it. He said, "That's we don't talk about injuries because they're not. It's not an excuse. Everybody's got injuries, so I like his attitude. And it won't surprise me if the Colts win. It won't surprise me if the Texans win. The Texans are four and four in their last eight games up there. They've won in fifteen, sixteen, eighteen, and twenty-two, and uh, so they've tended to play well there. They also got beat by I think Dan Orlovsky one year. So I think it's going to be a great game." Great opportunity for the teams, the owners, the general managers, the coaches, and, of course, the players. Finally, John, the Texans win on Saturday if? If C.J. Stroud continues to play turnover-free ball. So important. He's only had five interceptions this year, 21 touchdown passes, and he missed two games. He is, and It's not like DBs have dropped a lot of balls, but I think if Stroud can can – Uh, not commit any turnovers, Texans have their best chance to win. 
Check out his work, sportsradio610.com. Tremendous senior analyst and just tremendous football historian, John McClain. Thanks so much for coming behind Emmy Lions. Enjoy the game on Saturday. Guys, it's my pleasure. You guys enjoy the game, too. It's going to be a big-time opportunity for both teams in the AFC South that everybody thought was going to be terrible, but it's not. Absolutely. Thanks a lot, John. My pleasure, guys. Thank you for having me. We thank John for coming on again. Just, just, I mean, George, we could talk to him for two hours, honestly, and it still wouldn't be enough time to no. break it all down and just talk football. He knows this guy knows his stuff, knows his stuff for sure. Let's, because there's so much to break down here, let's start with one of the last things first. And that is when it comes to the head coaching matchup. I mean, it's funny. Both these coaches have basically done an identical job in terms of coming into a dysfunctional organization, turning it around. Obviously, D'Amico Ryan's on the defensive end, Shane Sykin on the offensive end. You heard John say the Colts have the head coach advantage in part, or maybe mostly because they're at home on Saturday. Would you agree with John there that the Colts right now going to this game do have the slight head coach advantage? I mean, I think it's a fair way of looking at it because I think these guys have been neck and neck all year. I mean, when you keep talking about like coach of the year and things like that, it's always, you know, who do you choose between D'Amico Ryans and, and Shane Sykin because they're both right there. I think what's really interesting is you're talking about D'Amico being a defensive guy. That's where he really does his best work. It's where he came up. And then you're talking about Shane being an offensive guy. So they're literally going head to head in their strengths as well, which I think is just um phenomenal you know it's going to be a great game Uh, i think the job D'Amico ryans has done down there uh cannot be understated um you know you look at all the the issues that they had the last two years with um just really not looking much like an nfl team honestly i mean for for most of the last few years they were just floundering and and he's able to come in here and and like john said with basically the same guys on defense completely remake that that unit i mean there's very little resemblance between this year's houston texans defense and anything they saw the last two years there and i think the same thing's true for shane sykin and the colts offense especially from 2022 to 2023 uh no resemblance at all and yes the quarterbacks have changed but a lot of the other pieces were here you know josh downs is new um Pretty much everybody else was part of that offense last year that, that honestly, for large stretches of the season, just couldn't get anything accomplished at all. So I think both guys have come in, uh, not just remade the franchises, but particularly their area, their side of the ball, they have made a tremendous difference in. And so, you know, who's got the coaching edge? I You might as well pick home field is the, is the tiebreaker. Um, it's... It's neck and neck, and I think the exciting thing is going to be that way for for years to come. It is, and you said it before. I love that it's a showdown. Right? It's not offensive mind versus offensive mind. It is offensive mind versus defensive mind, where that chess match is going to be playing itself out every single time the Colts have the ball. And I think because of the way the NFL rules work, and also just like I, I feel better as a Colts fan knowing my like I love I love the fact that Shane Sykin being the offensive mind that he is like, I always will favor an offensive mind um, over a defensive mind when it is like one of those um, head to head showdowns, if you will. And so like you look at the Texans and they've, like I said, John mentioned it, he's on percent right. And we've seen it this year. That Texans team has done a total 180 defensively uh, with how bad they've been for years, especially in the run game. 
now how much more stouter they've been. The past, the past secondary is still uh, a weakness for sure. Some injuries have obviously been a reason for that as well. But I, I feel more comfortable knowing Shane is going directly head-to-head against Tamika Ryans when it's offense versus defense. And I love the fact, George, that the Colts are the one with the offensive guy. I, I think you see that that advantage work out more in the offense's favor with rules and everything else that does work um, in their favor. I like the fact that right now in this matchup, the Colts have the offensive mind as head coach and they have, you know, with both guys doing tremendous, I'll take the guy in the offensive end. That's fair too. You know, I think the league is definitely weighted that way. Uh, But I think there's plenty of teams across this league that would be glad to have either one of these head coaches. You are right. That you're 100% right about without a doubt. Um, Let me ask you this here. Let's, Let's go flip it on the other side here. Talk about the Colts defensively. Because this obviously is Texans offense is fun to watch. You heard John, they are explosive, which does work in the Colts' favor in the fact that their number one priority is eliminating those explosive plays. I think one of the ways the Texans get explosive plays on Saturday is by establishing balance. You heard John say it before. This run game for Houston is it's been up and down. But it has, at least from, from my perspective, watching them, I think it's gotten better and more consistent the last month or six weeks. Devin Singletary, really since coming on and taking the job from Damian Pierce, has been consistent, has done a good job. And when the Texans have rushed for 100 yards as a team this season, it's happened seven times, they're 6-1. and one. So the, when they have balance, they win. Who do you think is, if you're Gus Bradley, George, who do you think is more impre- uh, more important to stop on Saturday night? Is it Devin Singletary in the run game, or is it Nico Collins in the pass game? I mean, if you look at what this team's done, uh, you know, last few weeks in particular, stopping the run's been so critical because, uh, what, you had 177 yards against Atlanta, and obviously see how that ends. Didn't it wasn't so much the run game as it was the screen game against Cincinnati, but that's kind of an extension of the run game, and they weren't able to to get the job done there. But then on the flip side, you shut down Pittsburgh, you shut down Vegas, uh, and you win those two games. So you know, is it as simple as that? I don't know, uh, but I will say this: Nico Collins had seven catches for 146 yards and a touchdown the last time they, these two teams met. You really don't want to have that repeated. But they did win that game by 11 points, even with Nico Collins catching the ball seven times for 146 yards and a touchdown. So I think that sort of strengthens the 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 run game being the more important element here as well. I'm with you. I think even though Nico Collins has been the better player this year, um, I'm with you. The run game has to be the priority to stop for two reasons. Number one, I think we said before, like how this Texans offense becomes explosive is play action pass. And if you're the defense and you are biting on the play action fake because Singletary is churning up five yards of carry, you're in trouble. You are in big time trouble if there is balance on this offense. And that goes to number two. The point number two is CJ Stroud tremendous, right? This is not taking anything away from him. Nico Collins, like you just said, already lit up the Colts once this year. And he's been lighting up a lot of opponents this season. He's been really good. But it is easier, I think, for the Colts to limit Nico Collins' explosiveness and that passing game's explosiveness when you know it's coming. You know, when you can truly dedicate seven guys to the pass game because the, the rushing attack you're not worried about. And you can just trust the front four that if they do hand the ball off, they're not going to get gashed. And so we saw, I mean, we saw last week with, with Devonta Adams. Impressive stat line at 13 catches. What was it? 162 and two touchdowns. Colts won the game. And Devonta never took over the game. 
Why? Because they contained him. There was no real threat of the run from the Raiders. So the Colts were, even though they're giving up yards, it was never 25 yards at a time. It always felt like it was 10 to 12. So you kept everything in front of you and you are still able to win games, even with one guy going off. And the Colts have to look at that and say, you know, we can live with Nico Collins basically putting up the same stat line in week two. Like you just said, seven, four, was it 148? Um, You can live with that if he does it again in week 18, as long as there's no compliment of the run game. So even though, again, Collins is the better player, I'm with you. Stop Devin Singletary first, make that Texans offense one-dimensional, and even if Nico Collins is a big game himself, Colts have showed you last week they could still win this game and still limit points on the board if it's only Nico Collins going off and not the running attack to balance it out. Yeah, yeah. I, mean, I think also it helps you with the pass rush. I mean, uh, you stop the True. run, you get into second and long, third and long more often, uh, and that's when you can really pin your ears back and get after the quarterback. So, yeah, I think everything – there's a reason defense coordinators talk every week about everything starting with, you know, the run game, and, and it's it's really played out that way the last four weeks for Indianapolis. It has. I'm glad you brought up the pass rush, too, because that's going to be a big key for two reasons. Number one – I Dan Orlovsky's tremendous. Give him a shout out here um, for his analyst work on ESPN. I saw him uh, with a clip this week in NFL Live. He mentioned this stat. CJ Stroud in the red zone holds the ball the third longest of any quarterback in the league. And he's holding it right to look in the end zone and make a play. And it's like 3.5, I think, seconds. He holds the ball to an average when the league average in the red zone is 2.75. So almost a full second longer. If you're the Colts and C.J. Stroud's holding the ball that long, you could look at it as, well, he's trying for the end zone, he's making plays, that's a positive. I look at that as a positive for the Colts. Of, if he's going to hold the ball for three and a half, four seconds, that pass rush is getting home. With how good the Colts have been getting after the quarterback this year, four guys with at least seven sacks, no other NFL team has done that. And I think it's in the last decade, only two other NFL teams have done that having four guys with at least seven sacks. So the Colts have been very balanced on that defensive line in terms of getting after the quarterback. If Stroud's going to hold the ball in the red zone, we saw last week the Texans, or excuse me, the Titans, did a really good job of limiting Houston in the red zone, only allowing one touchdown, even though they gave up 26 points. I think that would be a, That's going to be a huge win for the Colts. If, again, we see Stroud continue to hold the ball longer, I think that favors the Colts in this matchup. And it, that goes all over the field. I mean, the red zone is where it's highlighted, but he's his time to pass is one of the longer uh, in the league. So you you figure he's going to hold on to the ball. He's going to try to make plays. Similar to when Deshaun Watson was here. I mean, it's one of the things that John was talking about. Uh, you want to make sure that, that you can make them pay for that. You know, you got a quarterback who's going to stand back there and run that risk. Um, it, it works both ways, right? Because if, if his receiver works himself open and he gets the ball deep, it, it's a big-time play. For the offense, and I think especially with the inexperience in the Colts secondary, uh, it's going to be tempting for Houston to do that on, on Saturday night uh, and for Stroud to to try to hold the ball an extra second or two and see if he can you know, get a little more separation and get that ball out to Nico Collins or you know whoever's running deep for him. Uh, but I think it's become paramount now for the Colts to make them pay. You know, When they hold on to that ball for that second or two longer, you've got to get home, you've got to get sacks. I think that might be the most critical element of this game for what we just drew up. That risk-reward is huge. And if the Texans win that battle more often with explosive plays, they'll walk out of here with a victory. If the Colts win that battle more often with sacks, 
you would imagine Indianapolis would walk out of here with victories. Look at the first meeting, 384 yards, one of Stroud's best games against anybody all year, but they only put up 20 points. Most of that yards came in the second half. He got sacked six times. That was a huge factor in the game. And I think, I, I mean, I don't know, look across the league this year, teams' records when their quarterbacks get sacked six times cannot be very positive. No, I, I would agree with you there. And it also highlights, again, the, the need to eliminate the run because if you can, again, eliminate the run, drop seven guys back, you can keep those safeties deep. And when Stroud is looking deep, not have him find anyone streaking open because you can put resources to make sure there's no topping taken off the defense, hold, force him to hold the ball longer, which, again, should allow that Colts pass rush to get home like it did in week number two. And the other reason George pass rush is going to be so important is because it's a revenge game. John said it. Basically, his name is Voldemort. Chris Strausser, who has, to his credit, his credit, has done a very good job with the Texans O-line this year, all things considered. I mean, I should have done the math. John was listing off the number of players that have used at every single position. What was it like 15 guys? It felt like that they have like used. like a practice squad. Unbelievable. I mean, five left tackles, four right guards. I mean, three centers. It's like 15 guys that have that have taken snaps and have tried to protect C.J. Stroud in some form. And Strausser does deserve credit. But with that said, George, rightfully was run out of town this time last year. Coming back to Indy for the first time, it would be very fitting to have that offensive line for Houston look like it looked last year for the Colts. Or maybe Quiddy Pay George can do the cave on Thibodeau and maybe do a snow angel next to CJ Stroud. I think it's a sack on Saturday. That would be fitting. I'll tell you, it's going to be, yeah, that's that's kind of one of those underrated parts of this game because I'm sure Chris Strauss would like nothing more than to walk out of here with a victory uh, and go to the playoffs and, and leave his former team uh, waiting until next year. Uh, but, yeah, absolutely. I mean, the Colts, I'm sure, would love nothing more than to attack their, their former coach's unit in uh, – have that be a big part of the reason why they're moving on and, and continuing what has been a remarkable 2023 season for both teams. I, I will say, honestly, it's a little bit sad that they can't both get in, that there's no scenario uh, where both of them get in because their, their seasons have been so parallel to one another. Um, even like statistically, they're really close together. Um, it, it's just, it's a little bit of a shame that, that they both can't advance because I think both teams, uh, deserve to have that ending to their story. You're right. It's been, it really has been a fun season for both sides and someone's going to walk out a loser and it better not be the Colts. That's for sure. If it's not going to be the Colts, George, overall, what units need to play better? You think in order for the Colts to get a win, is it the offense or the defense? That's a really good question. I mean, I look back at the first meeting, and again, these teams are completely different than they were in week two. There's almost as much difference between them from week two to now as there's from last year to now. I mean, it's completely different units. There's a lot of different personnel on both teams in the game that, that were not in there. Uh, Colts secondary obviously looks completely different than it did for better and worse uh, in, in the first meeting. I know the the Texans offensive line is is completely made over from that first time around for better and worse. So, um, you know, I, it's hard to draw a ton of conclusions from that game and, and draw them, carry them over. But it does stick in my head how fast that, that team started, how fast Indy started. Uh, I think that affected that game a lot. They're up, what, 14 to 7 in 
in the blink of an eye. Uh, and they put up 31 points total, 28 in the first half. Talking about that fast start. So I, I feel like the offense has got to get going. Anytime you play a prolific quarterback like C.J. Stroud is, I, your offense has got to score points. I mean, you always talk about defense has got to play well. Yeah, they do. But those guys get the reputation that they get. C.J. Stroud's going to be the offensive rookie of the year for a reason. You know, they, they get these reputations because they consistently put points up too. So I think, yes, the defense has to play well. But I think anytime you're going up against a, a quarterback who abides the kind of threat Stroud does, your offense has to play well too. And you've got to go in there with a the mindset of well, probably at least 28 points to win this game. It's got to be the offense. You're right. Number one, you're not winning a game 13-10. Like if you're scoring 13 points, you're losing this game. So number one is, yes, you have to score points. I think offensively you have to play a lot better than – like I think you can survive a bad defensive game more than you could survive a bad offensive game on Saturday night. And also, too, this team, you mentioned before, 28-10 um, at halftime back in week two, the Colts were ahead. This team is built to get out early and salt games away. I know it's not been pretty, and I know they've gotten out to fast starts and have seen it evaporate, but they are more built – to play with a lead than they are to play from behind. And obviously, if you can play with a lead, you hope, and we'll talk about this here in a second, you hope they can run the run the ball, salt away the clock, and limit possessions for the Texans' offense. But also for the Colts' defense, if you can get out to a lead, and all of a sudden now when the Colts go on the field defensively, they can pin their ears back and force just by the score the Texans to be one-dimensional and pass it. Again, I think that, to me, plays into their hands and makes the job a lot easier. So I think when you add it up, they need the offense. If you're going to say, hey, one unit is going to play well here, it has to be the offense because I don't think they can survive a bad offensive game and still win this game. They can survive a bad defensive game and win this game. I don't think they could survive a bad offensive game. And like you said, they're not winning this game 13 to 10. They could win 28-25. They can't win 13 to 10. Um, That is for sure. Speaking of the run game, John highlighted it. He's 100% true. The biggest defensively the biggest reason for this turnaround has been the rush defense it's been tremendous like like he said ty hilton owned the Colts, uh owned the texans and then when ty gave up the crown he gave it right to john and the taylor because jt stepped in and has picked up where ty left off just in a different way just running the ball down the texans throat when he's been healthy and on the field did not play in week number two um which hopefully does bode well for this offense going into this matchup in week 18 but this Texans defense is now one of the best rushing defenses in the league. It's going to be tough sledding here for the Colts to get in a, a run game established, which goes back to one of the initial points you talked about. Ryan Kelly's health here is going to be big because this, to bring it full circle, George, I think this game is going to be won on the offensive line or lost on the offensive line, in part because they have to be able to establish some sort of balance. It's going to be tough. It's not going to be anywhere near as easy as it mostly has been facing this Texans team the last few years. When you look at Brayden Smith and the effort that he put out there last week, playing through his injuries, um, you know, leaning on a wall in the locker room after the game, and you could just tell how much it's taken out of him. Uh, he's huge. You know, when he's out there, they run the ball better. I mean, the numbers are pretty clear there. Um, Jonathan Taylor looked a little more like Jonathan Taylor. Uh, on Sunday, they're going to need that kind of performance from him. Uh, and I think you just go back again. I mean, I hate to keep going back to Cincinnati and Atlanta games, but you look at the things that went wrong in those games. 
and not being able to run the ball is really high on the list. I mean, the two things they did not do was get after the opposing quarterback in either of those games, and they did not run the ball effectively. And when they don't run the ball effectively, you see the offense bogged down. I mean, my dog is upset. He's saying you got to run the ball. You know, you see the offense bogged down quickly, uh, and, and you see them have a lot of trouble just even getting first downs, let alone putting points on the board. So I think they've got to find a way to to open up those lanes, and it's not going to be easy. Like you said, it is definitely not going to be easy against this particular defense that, that Houston's putting out there. Uh, but Jonathan Taylor has done it before against good run defenses. The Colts this year have run the ball well against good run defenses at times. This is absolutely Saturday night's got to be one of those days. Absolutely. I mean, the last three home games, the Colts have all rushed for over 100 yards. Coincidence or not, George? I don't think so. They're 3-0. and In the last three home games, they've all run for 100 yards each. So this is a team that, again, does need balance. We've seen Gardner Minshew, right, when that play action, that RPO game is is working on the defense and they're biting. All of a sudden, now this guy's looking like Peyton Manning out there, slinging it all across the yard and having some big plays. The Colts' offensive explosives are built coming off the run game um, and having that balance, which is going to be huge here um, for this team in this game. We'll give you a prediction in a second, but George, look, this is obvious, but it has to happen. I've not seen it official yet, so hopefully between now and Saturday, it's official. Maybe it's a secret, which I think could work even better. You have to have T.Y. Hilton banging the anvil before the game. There's not even a second option, George. It has to happen. Yeah, I don't know how the anvil rotation is, is put in place, but you would imagine T.Y. in the building would, would be a good thing uh, with the Texans coming to visit. I don't know. I think it's more important that Jonathan Taylor continue to take that crown from him, that, that he solidifies himself uh, at the end of this game as the new Texan killer in town uh, because the Colts are going to need it. They're absolutely going to need it. If T.Y. can't, for whatever reason, scheduling conflict, busy guy, maybe have J.T. do it. Have, have the first bang player the in the game bang the anvil. <laughs> It'll be huge. Um, you know, I think you're going to have that primetime show. Uh, I would imagine Lucas Oil is going to be as loud as it has been at any point this year. Uh, it's going to be... It's playoff game. I mean, I don't. We've said that a few times uh, late in the season because it's had that kind of feel. But this one, the stakes are postseason stakes. You either play next week or you don't, based on you know whether or not you win this game. You're hundred percent. This is literally a playoff game. The Steelers game we talked about. If you lose, you're probably eliminated from the playoffs. Um, and we're seeing that right now with the Steelers needing help to get in uh, after they lost that game. But there's no doubt about it. There, there's no scenario. Like you just mentioned, the Colts playing next week if they lose. It's a, in every sense of the word, literal, figurative playoff game. And so the the good news, too, is Texans fans do not travel the way Steelers fans do. So even though the Steelers fans had a good showing that uh, Saturday game a few weeks ago, Colts, I thought it was tremendous atmosphere. It was very loud. Um, it's going to have to be that way again, even louder now, even more intense on Saturday night. Um, I know Jim is, has not gotten, given the official word yet. I'm going to go ahead and assume the roof and the window are going to be closed. So it's going to be a loud, raucous atmosphere, which should help a young Colts team feed off that energy. It worked against the Steelers where they came out, fed off the crowd energy after a slow first quarter to help take them over the finish line there. It's going to be wild. There, There is 
Take off the restrictor plate, George. There, there is no reason not to go crazy, not to be loud, not to sell out. The playoffs have come early. It is here Saturday night, Lucas Oil Stadium. Let's go. Let's go. Last playoff win. We know who's against. Cincinnati Bengals. Last playoff win was the Bengals. That one was well, last playoff win at home. You remember the last playoff win overall? Last playoff win overall was the Houston Texans. Houston Texans. In Houston. In H-Town, which if T.Y. Hilton maybe can't bang the anvil, uh, anvil, maybe we'll get the last quarterback to win a playoff game to bang the anvil. That, the clown think, mask game. That's right. Was the uh, the last time. I mean, that feels like forever. It was just, I guess, three years ago now. But uh, it, it really felt like it was. Well, no, that one is is five years ago. Uh, three years ago, they played the, the uh, Bills. Bills over in a game they should have won. I mean, we can get into that on another pod, but um, they should have won that one. But yeah, the uh, the ghost mask game, the clown mask game with the ghost. Uh, you know what else happened that day, though, that, that people don't really talk about, about huge rushing game for Marlon Mack. He was all, I think he set a franchise record for postseason rushing yardage in that game. So uh, it was a massive, massive day for him. And uh, the Colts need they need to replicate that energy on Saturday night. Let's see, just to bring it up really faster. Here we go 21 7 to get the exact number 148. 24 for 148, 6.2 yards per carry for Marlon Mack. If hot take here, George, if JT can average 6.2 yards per carry on Saturday night. Uh, I'm going to lock up a win here for the Colts. All right, lock it up right now. Take it to the bank. Unless it's on like three carries, I'm with you. <laughs> You're right. Three carries for 18 yards. Uh, we're in trouble. That That's a fair point. That's a fair point. Context is definitely needed here. All right. We've previewed the game. We've welcomed John on. We've heard John's perspective on the Houston angle going to this game. Injuries are going to be a big one here. I mean, the best pass rusher maybe could not play. The second best pass rusher, Will Anderson Jr., is going to be limited. The injury outlook right now definitely does favor the Colts. Vegas, though, with that in mind, still has Houston right now a one-point road favorite. Now, because, unfortunately, I was run down, had the flu last week, we're not able to give official game picks. Um, if you want to do the honor system, George, and you want to say you were going to pick the Colts to win, I'll respect it. I'll update the records. <laughs> If not, if you want to just call last week a pass, right now, tough L two weeks ago against the uh, against the Falcons, nine and six right now is your record uh, as we sit here. Very impressive. Yep. I'm not as good as, as Max Bowen, though. That's the one we're all looking for out there on Twitter. Kevin Bowen's son, uh, I think he's won, what, eight in a row? Uh, so everyone will be anxiously anticipating what his pick is for this game. I mean, we get him on next year to make picks and – you know, be a little more accurate with, with our prognostication. You're right about that. He has been on fire. And it goes to show you, man, maybe maybe we're doing it wrong. Maybe we should not use logic and instead just have a bag, two helmets in, and just blindly pick out. And, and I'm sure that if we just did that, our picks would be impeccable. I mean, it's possible. You never know. we we got to come up with some system because – uh, you know, I'll take nine and six, but you know, you really want to be 15 and oh, right? I mean, you, you want these, you don't want the, and I don't have an eight game winning streak. I know that, 
only Max can 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 have that kind of power. But knowing that I that I do not have the powers of of prediction of Max Bowen, I will try my best. Um, yeah, I, I think it's going to be a tight game. I, I think everybody kind of agrees with that. And the most surprising thing will be if one of these teams wins uh, in a lopsided fashion. I imagine the Colts are going to try to shorten the game, limit possessions. I mean, you, you would think that that's going to be the game plan, keep C.J. Stroud off the field, long drives, uh, you know, all those sorts of things. Uh, they've run the ball well at home lately. I'm going to, you know, predict that that happens again, even against a really good Houston front, and I think they're going to get after C.J. Stroud again. I think they're going to get a few sacks. So I will say Indianapolis 23 Houston 20 uh, in what will be probably a, a game long remembered in these parts. Either way. Yes. Oh, either way, you're right. This will this game will be talked about for a while. In this game, I think the Colts' red zone defense here is going to – the red zone itself is going to be, I think, a, a big key here. I think the Colts will play well in the red zone. I think the Colts' defense will do a very good job at keeping Houston out of the red zone. I do think the Texans are going to move the ball between the 20s. Um, they had a lot of success doing that last week. But, again, the, the score, this is a bad example per se because the, the Titans got blown out. But the Titans did do a very good job of keeping Houston out and having them settle for field goals. I think that's what's going to happen here on Saturday night. I think the Colts' defense is going to be bend, but don't break. Force three, not seven from Houston. That to me is going to be the difference. I think this is going to be a little bit of a higher scoring game um, than maybe we're used to seeing from this Colts offense. I'm going to say 27-23. And the Colts make enough plays. They have been a team to where when they need to have it, especially at home, they have played well and they have played well offensively. So I think that trend does continue. 27-23, Colts punch in the roads and opportunities. They get stops defensively in the red zone, and we are preparing, George, this time next week for a playoff game against a team, TBD. Let's go. It'll be an, it'll be an interesting Sunday if the Colts win Saturday night. I know that because oh. you'll have a uh, lot of, of, of rooting interest from the Colts' perspective on Sunday if they win the game on Saturday night. Speaking of which, let's get right now a daily double. We've given you our game picks. Both have the Colts winning. George, put you on the spot here. Do the Colts make the playoffs as a wild card? Or are we going to be back in Lucas Oil Stadium next weekend for a home playoff game? I'm going to go with wild card. Uh, I think Will Levis is is injured is from what I've heard. He, he hasn't been practicing this week. Tennessee did not look like a team that wants to play spoiler last week. Uh, I think Jacksonville will pull that out uh, and win the division. Unfortunately, I agree. I was, I mean, look, it's the Panthers, right? So I, I, but with that said, I was impressed with a backup quarterback, how Jacksonville played, never really let the Panthers in it. And this is a Panthers team that scored 30 points the week before against mm-hmm. the Packers. So they are, I mean, they're the worst team in the league, but they have been at least scrappier and more competitive in the last few weeks. Credit to Jacksonville for not making this a game with the backup quarterback. I think Trevor Lawrence, if I had to sit it right now and, and guess, I'm going to assume he plays. But like you said, yeah. I think right now Tennessee just mailed it in. I, I They're going to try to play spoiler. I don't think it's going to work too well. I do think the Colts, when it's all said and done, will be playing a road playoff game next week. And the Jaguars will barely, barely hold on to that division and win it uh, yet again. 
George, oh my goodness, Saturday night cannot come fast enough. It's going to be a tremendous atmosphere. If you're watching the game at home, you're going to have the voices of Joe Buck and Troy Aikman on the call. That's when you know it's big, big time right now. By the way, not forced on the call because, oh, this is a game scheduled in July and now the team sucks and it's it's December like we may have saw last year. ESPN and Joe and Troy, if you will, we'll just say, chose this game, George. That's when you know the tide has truly turned from last year to this year. And Colts and Texans have come a long way from Sam Ellinger and Davis Mills to Joe Buck and <laughs> Troy Aikman. Oh, I was looking at the box score really fast. Do you know the leading receiver last year in that game for the Colts? Do you have any idea who it was? No. Deion Jackson. That, I mean, it fits. It, it fits. fits in that contest. So uh, the less said about last year's game, the better. Yeah, uh, it was an interesting outcome uh, for both teams. Hey, the way that that game ended, the Texans end up with CJ Stroud and Will Anderson. The Colts end up with Anthony Richardson. I think you're going to see a lot of all of those guys in the future. And, and as we talked about with John, a division that's going to be highly competitive. Uh, and I think for the foreseeable future. I think you're right. I think this is the beginning of what is going to be playoff-like games between the Colts and the Texans now for the next five years. This feels like definitely just the beginning. That's for sure. So hopefully the Colts get off to a good start in that budding rivalry um, that we have right here. And they do make the playoffs, defend home field, and keep their season alive for at least one more week. Appreciate you joining us right here on the preview pod, Colts Texans. Make sure you subscribe on YouTube, Blue Horseshoe Pod, and also wherever you get your pods, same name. Check us out because we got what is going to be hopefully a joyous post-game pod. Not a a funeral. That's what we're going for. No funeral. I'm not wearing black, George. The tux is put away. Well, not tux, I guess. Suit, I should say. I'm not wearing... No, no, I'm not at least going to be a cycle and wear a tux to a funeral. That's for sure. But the, the black suit has been put away. Not breaking it out this weekend. That's for sure. Colts are going to win. We'll break it all down after the game right here in the Blue Horseshoe Pod. Enjoy it. And hopefully we're talking about a playoff team in the Indianapolis Colts. We'll talk to you after the game. It's been the Blue Horseshoe Pod.